It, it, Heather and I have been on a, a vacation this past week, so we went out to uh, South Dakota, Black Hills area, uh, Mount Rushmore. Um, we went 2,200 miles in six days, seven days. Yeah. So um, about 300 miles a day on average. Um, Heather took 2,400 pictures <laughs> during those 2,200 miles. So. But, you know, it's a great thing these days because um, you don't have to pay for a film, right? Digital is just, so it's like, take as many pictures as you want. That's not a problem. Okay. Um, well, I'm happy to, to be preaching this morning. This has been a message that God's put on my heart um, over the last couple months. Um, you know, and part of this is Matt had asked me about preaching uh, on a scheduled basis, and I had said no. And then a couple of weeks later said, you know, what about preaching on a regular basis? And I said, no. Um, <laughs> you get the, get the theme here. Um, but then at one point, God really started speaking to me and, and saying, you know, here's some things on, on, on your heart that you can share with the people uh, that, that will help build them up. And, and so I said, finally said, okay, we'll, we'll try it out. We'll, we'll do it for a couple months and see what happens. So... Part of that is, is giving a financial update for the church, because as the executive pastor, I'm kind of in charge of the finances. Um, people come to me with requests to spend money, and I say yes or no, you know. Um, so those light bulbs were unauthorized. <laughs> so they're coming out of your pocket, and I'm like, just, just kidding. Um, so financially, the church is doing, is doing fine. We're paying our bills. Um, we don't have excessive money at this point, but you don't need more money than you need than to pay bills with, right? I mean, at some point, that's the way God manages us through this season. And, and we're happy to use this building to bless other people. And that's what we're really excited about. Uh, part of our vision always in having a building is how can we, you know, because the church sits empty so much of the time. How can we use the church building to get the most out of supporting the kingdom of God. So we're, it's really exciting to me that we now have four churches uh, meeting here. We have a men's group that meets here. Uh, we have a, a homeschool community that, uh, a co-op that, that meets here during the school year. Just lots of things going on. And that's, that's great that we get to use this building uh, for God's kingdom. So, um, so today I wanted to talk with you about prosperity in the five what I call the five P's of prosperity. Um, and there's a verse that John, uh, 3 John is, is a letter that, that the Apostle John wrote to uh, a friend of his, Gaius. And he said in there, in verse 2 of chapter 1, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And that's the message I want to bring to you today, is that God has a heart for you to prosper, even as your soul prospers. And to talk about how do we do that in the kingdom of God. So let's, let, me, let me pray, and then we'll get going. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a God who loves, a God who encourages, a God who wants to see your children prosper in health, in body, in soul, and in spirit. And so, Lord, we come to your word today 
that you might teach us how to prosper in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. The word for prosper uh, in this verse is a Greek word, uh, eudos, E-U-D-O-E-U-O-D-O-S. And it's a compound word in Greek, meaning it's made up of two other words, good and journey. So the idea of prosper in, in this verse is to go on a good journey. And so we could read the verse, um, I hope you have a good journey in life, even as your soul has a good journey. And so to take that idea that, that, that prosperity is a journey that we get into, that, that God guides us through as our soul is on a good journey in God, our body and our life in this world can be a good journey as well. And I'd like to lay out some of the principles, the precepts that go into to what that, that, how that happens. God has built within creation and his plan for us a way to prosper. Um, Jesus says in Luke 12, 32, the Father is pleased to give us the kingdom. And I think it's important because a lot of times we come into a relationship with God and we experience salvation at a spiritual level, but maybe our life doesn't change a whole lot. And we still deal with the troubles. We still, still deal with, with poverty in different areas of our lives, relationships, uh, financially, health-wise. And how do we get that spirit, that salvation that we know is in our spirit into the other parts of our life. And God has a way of doing that, that that we can all access and we can bring forward. So here is my summary paragraph and see if you can write down the five Ps, okay? As we experience more of God's presence in our lives, we will understand the principles and the processes that God has put into place in an area of life such as finances, relationships, health, and we can begin to put those principles and processes into practice and receive the benefits. As we persevere in aligning ourselves with God's ways, we will experience all the blessings that God has for us. So that gives you the five Ps in in summary. And the first one I want to talk about is presence. And when we have the presence of God in our lives, it opens the doors to so many blessings and so many riches that we have access to. When God created Adam and Eve in his image and likeness, an important, plan, an important part of his plan was he wanted to be part of their lives. When, when God put them in the garden, he said, come into this garden that I've made and I want you to take care of it. Part of that is God collaborating with Adam and Eve is part of their daily activities. In a little bit further on in Genesis chapter 2, we read about how God brought the animals before Adam and said, let's see what Adam calls these animals. And whatever he names them, that's what we're going to call them. To me, that's an amazing perspective that God is so invested in our opinion, how we see things, that what we call things is what he's going to call things. He wants to participate in our lives and be a part of what's going on. 
And then later on in Genesis 3, we read about God walking in the garden in the cool of the day because he wanted to come in and check on Adam and Eve and see how they were doing. God wants to be a part of our life. And the presence of God in our lives is key to pursuing the prosperity, the good journey that we want to go on. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, this is God speaking, Call to me, God says, and I will answer you and tell you great and wonderful things that you do not know. God wants us to know those things. God wants us to reveal himself and to show us things. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. God invites us to, to, to acknowledge him, to, to trust in him, to, to lean on him in all that we do because he wants to be a part of our life. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit and while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. Jesus presents an image of God that says, God wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be part of, of you bearing more fruit and being prosperous. So God's presence is, is critical to what uh, our good journey in life. So we begin that good journey, the prosperity, by inviting God into every part, every aspect of our life and seeking his presence daily. I like this passage in Isaiah uh, 28, uh, verses 23 through 28. God says, listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. When a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? Does he keep breaking up and working the soil? When he has leveled the surface, does he not sow caraway and scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot, spelt in its field? His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. Caraway is not threshed with a sledge, nor is the wheel of a cart rolled over cumin. Caraway is beaten with a rod and cumin with a stick. Grain must be ground to make bread, and so one does not go threshing it forever. The wheels of a threshing cart may be rolled over it, but one does not use horses to grind grain. All this comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful and whose wisdom is magnificent. That's a strange passage, right? But it's very instructive to, I think, what we need to, to hear from the Lord, that God has a plan and a purpose for things. When he has created earth, he put principles into place, that as we understand those principles, as we understand those processes, we can benefit from them. And it is God who teaches us to do those things. One of, the, um, one of my heroes in history is uh, George Washington Carver. He, he was a great man, a man of faith, a man of science. 
and did remarkable things. And I want to read you because I, I believe he understood these five Ps probably better than anyone that I know of. Let me read you just this little passage. Born the son of slaves, Dr. Carver became one of the most notable chemists of his day. Working in the laboratory at Tuskegee Institute, he affectionately called God's little workshop. He developed over 300 innovative uses for the peanut, as well as breakthroughs in the use of sweet potatoes, pecans, and soybeans. His efforts in chemistry and food science paved the way for growth of the peanut industry. In his day, peanuts were used little more than animal food. They were, they were considered not, human, not for human consumption. But today, it has grown into a $2 billion industry. The boldness of Dr. Carver's faith can be observed in an account of his address to the U.S. House and Ways and Means Committee in Washington, D.C. Initially, he was only given 10 minutes to speak. But the committee became so enthralled with what he was saying, they gave him unlimited amount of time. And so he spoke for an hour and 45 minutes about the potential benefits of the peanut. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? At the end of his address, the chairman asked him how he had learned all these things, and Carver answered, from an old book. What book? asked the chairman. Carver replied, the Bible. And the chairman inquired, does the Bible tell us about peanuts? <laughs> no, sir, Dr. Carver replied, but it tells us about the God who made the peanut. And I asked him to show me what to do with the peanut, and he did. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. But I think Dr. Carver knew about this passage in Isaiah, right? He knew about the God who created the cumin seed and the caraway seed and the wheat and spelt and knew how that seed, caraway need to be planted and cumin needed to be sowed and that you use this kind of a field for one and a different kind of field for the other. And he asked God to show him those things and God did. Just like it says here in verse 28, his God instructs him and teaches him the right way. And this is the same God that we serve. The same God that wants to speak those truths into our lives if we will let him. And so the presence of God in our lives is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of knowledge. So as we read scriptures, the, the next part, the next P is, is principles. That we begin to understand the principles that God has built into creation and to align ourselves with those things. If you look in the beginning of Genesis chapter 1, we, God talks about how every plant will produce a seed that will produce another plant according to its kind. So when I talk about a principle, that's a principle, a truth that God has built into creation. And if you align yourselves with that truth, that principle, you will receive the benefits of it. And, and so we need to know that. God, what are these principles that you have built into creation? 
Paul picked up on this later and, and expanded on it in Galatians 6-7 to say, we reap what we sow in life. And this is a, a bigger expanded principle of that a seed produces the plant that bore it. That, that we reap what we sow. And so we need to understand these principles and put them into our lives so that we can gain the prosperity that God intends for us. Even though we're not farmers, we can understand from this passage in Isaiah uh, that there are different principles at work in planting, in harvesting, in processing various crops. Cumin, caraway, wheat, barley, spelt require different preparation, sowing, harvesting. We need to know the principles behind each one of those in order to be successful in producing that crop. Now, say I'm a successful wheat farmer. That doesn't make me a successful corn farmer, necessarily. There may be some principles that cross over, but there may be some unique principles to growing corn that is different than growing soybeans, right? And so we need to go back to God and say, okay, God, I know how to grow corn. You've taught me how to grow corn. How do I grow soybeans now? And God will show us. So along with principles, which are the, the foundational truths, uh, we have processes. So processes are built on, on, on principle. Processes are built on principles. And processes are just a series of steps that take you to a certain end. In Genesis chapter 1, we read about uh, God calling forth creation. And we see that God follows a process in creation as well. On the first day, God did one thing. On the second day, God did another thing. On the third day, God did something else. And each day builds on the day before it. Um, and each step in the process adds more detail than was there from the day before. All of it taking God closer to achieving his goal. Likewise, Jesus talks about the, the kingdom of God as a process. In Mark 4, 26 through 29, Jesus says, The kingdom of God is like a seed, a farmer who plants a seed. The seed grows, first producing a stalk, then an ear, then a full corn in the ear. What Jesus is describing there is a process, step by step, one, pro one step building on the step that comes before it. And there are all kinds of processes that as you look for them in the Bible, you begin to see the principles and processes that Jesus uh, reveals. In John chapter 3, he talks with Nicodemus about you must be born again and, and talks this, about this process of, of being born spiritually. In, in Luke eleven four, Jesus talks about forgiveness, a process of forgiveness where you forgive others and you will be forgiven. Principles and steps along the way. Proverbs 25, 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search it out and discover it. And so part of what God here again wants to do is to partner with us he has hidden so many treasures in the world around us. 
And he wants to partner with us to help us discover and to bring those treasures into our life. But knowing that there are principles and processes out there for us to discover doesn't do us any good unless we put them into practice. So we have to take these principles and processes that God has, has, has been revealing to us, you know, just like Dr. Carver. After he learned all these things, he put together a traveling classroom and went to all these farmers in the South to teach them all that he had discovered about the peanut so that they could learn to do this and, and brought a lot of people out of poverty, brought a lot of farmers into prosperity because he began to teach them what God had revealed to him. Jesus emphasized putting what he had taught into practice into your life. In Matthew 5.19, he says, Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Those who put it into practice, those who teach it to others. Or in Matthew 7, 24 and 25, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So we have our principles and our processes and we put them into practice, the presence of God guiding us along. And the last, the fifth P, is perseverance. Jesus stressed perseverance as part of our good journey in the kingdom of God. In Luke 18, he tells the story of the persistent widow and that we need to persist in prayer in order to get what we're seeking. And so Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared for what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, and I, I will see that she gets justice, that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And quickly. So part of what Jesus prepares us for in this good journey of faith is that it takes perseverance. It takes persistence. Just because we plant the seed today doesn't mean we're going to harvest tomorrow, right? It takes time, little by little, step by step. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Part of that persistence uh, we see reflected in uh, that Jesus tells us to ask and seek and knock in Matthew 7. He says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock 
and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And I think it's important that here again, if you look at the Greek, the, the, the verb tense that is used for ask, seek, and knock is what's called the present perfect. Now, I'm a grammar junkie. My wife is kind of a grammar junkie too. We like looking at verb tenses, you know, present, past, present perfect, past perfect, present pluperfect, you know, and it goes on and on. But, but this is the present perfect tense, meaning it's an action that starts now and continues as it moves forward. So probably a, a more clear way of interpreting this would be ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking until you receive what you've asked for, till you, see, till you find what you're seeking, right? I mean, if you've lost your keys, you don't just seek over here, I didn't find them. You seek here, and if you didn't find them there, you go seek there, and you find them. Or if you didn't find them there, you go seek over here. You keep seeking until you find. You keep knocking until the door is open. You keep asking until you get what you're asking for. And that's the, the spirit that God wants to see in us as we pursue the prosperity. So how do we apply some of this in a practical way in our lives? So one of the areas that, that Heather and I struggled with early on in, in, in our marriage was finances. I mean, a lot of young couples starting out, um, we didn't know a whole lot. I mean, Heather and I both worked in high school, but uh, it's interesting that, that often the way we progress in life, we learn the wrong things, uh, and then we have to learn the right things, right? So I didn't know a whole lot about money, Growing up, though I working, I had money in my pocket quite often, um, and so I had to learn about wealth principles. And and one of the first wealth principles that God taught me was that use the riches of this world to gain eternal treasure. Um, and, and so Jesus talks about this: don't store up treasure on earth, but store up treasure in heaven. And and, and it's an inter- it, it's an interesting idea that we can use worldly wealth for heavenly gain. And, and this is a, an amazing concept and puts money in the right context. It's okay to have money, but use money for eternal treasure, not just for where moth and can eat it and rust can destroy it. So that's the first principle in wealth. The second one that took us, Heather and I, a while to learn was that, and it sounds pretty obvious now, but spend less than you make every month. Now, that seems pretty obvious, like, yeah. Why would you spend more than you make every month? But we did. But, and I thought about that after, you know, years looking back. And we spent, at first, I didn't know there was a connection between income and your lifestyle and your expenses every month. Because when I was young and working and living at home, my parents paid all the bills, right? So I just had money and I could spend it on what I wanted to spend it on. Even then when I got into college, I was a, did a work-study program, so I was working about 15, 20 hours a week going to school. I got grants because I had two other brothers in school at the same time for financial aid stuff, and then student loans. So I had expenses, but my income 
didn't need to cover my expenses because I had grants and loans. And so, and then as Heather and I got married, her folks had put some money aside to pay for her college, and so we were getting, you know, kind of some money help from her folks. And so our income and our expenses, income from working, didn't have to cover our expenses in life because we had other free money coming in, which was great. I mean, that was a nice time in life. But that's not the real world, right? I mean, at some point, we got out and we started working, and the money from her folks is like, yep, no more. <laughs> you know, the, there were no more grants. There were no, well, we still had credit cards. So, you know, as we learned that you have to have a lifestyle where your expenses are less than your income, it took us about five to seven years to figure that out. Now, that one sentence is a 10 second sentence. But it took us seven years to learn how to do that, to adjust our lifestyle, to have an income that was more, um, and, and actually figure out that our lifestyle expenses needed to be about 80% of our monthly income because we wanted to give tithe 10%. We wanted to save 5 to 10%. So from our net pay, we needed to have a lifestyle that was only 80% of what our monthly cost was. That principle was important, um, but it was a long time in coming to us. Um, you know, part of what God showed me in that was in the story of Joseph in Egypt. You know, Joseph uh, had a dream about, or the Pharaoh had a dream about seven lean cows and seven fat cows. And, and it was a dream about that there were seven years of famine, seven years of good times coming, and then seven years of famine. And that the seven years of good time wasn't just meant to, well, have a big party, spend more. You, you've been blessed with more, so you can spend more. That was not the message. But early on, that's how I lived. If I got more, that means I could spend more. My lifestyle could expand even further, right? But what, I, what God began to speak to me in that was, Sometimes I give you more so you can save it for the future because bad times are coming and I'm trying to provide for you now so that you'll have it then. So that was a, another wealth principle that God began to teach. So as Heather and I began to learn how to do that, to live on less than, than we made, we could save. And then part of what God began to show me was, Dennis, you spend time working for money what you need to do is to make money work for you. I was like, what do you mean? I'd never had that thought before. I was, I was raised, you get a good education, uh, you find a good job with a good company, and you work for them, and you get a good paycheck every month or every two weeks, and that's how you live your life. And you save a little bit for retirement so you can retire someday. Um, and, that was, and that's a good way to live. I mean, that, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's confined by a certain box. Um, but I asked, when God brought me that thought, rather than working for money, make money work for you, he says, there are many more things I want you to do, and if you're spending your time working, you can't spend your time doing what I want you to do. And so I began to see that what God wanted to bring into my life was a way 
for him to expand his kingdom of God through me uh, with me having money working for me rather than me working for money. So part of the scripture that, that God brought and, and helped me see that was in Matthew 25, which is the parable of the talents, in which a king is going away and he has some servants and he gives to one servant 10,000, uh, 5,000 to one, 3,000 to another, 1,000, something like that. Um, but, and then they go out and the one who has five makes 10, the one who has uh, three makes six, um, and the one that has just, you know, one talent, you know, goes and hides it somewhere. Uh, but the idea was, out of that, Jesus is using this situation of business to talk about the kingdom of God and, and that how they can use wealth to advance the kingdom of God and reveal the kingdom of God in their lives. So one of the things God brought into my life around that time was a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Now, it's not a Christian book. It's a secular book. Uh, but it's an interesting, it was a, God used his writings um, to, to show me how limited my thinking was in my relationship with God. And so this guy, Kiyosaki, something like that, he talked about his dad was a professor at a university who had spent a lot of time and money getting education and then got tenure at a university and was spending his life working uh, 40 to 60 hours a week for a paycheck. And his dad, that was his poor dad. He was educated, but he was working paycheck to paycheck. His rich dad was his friend's dad, who barely had a high school education, but owned a lot of property. And spent his time working, having other people work for him, having other people um, having his money work for him rather than him work for his money. And so God used that book as a way to open up my thinking into new ways. So my example here is just to show you that there are more opportunities out there that you can't really imagine at this point. If you come to God and say, God, I want this prosperity that you're offering in my life. And it may not be financial. It may be related to health. There are a lot of health principles, and we have friends that are suffering from health issues that they've created for themselves because they don't understand appropriate healthy behavior. They don't understand the principles that God has put into the creation to help guide them. We have friends, it may not be health, maybe it's relationships. I know friends and family members who have trouble in a lot of relationships because they don't understand the principles that God's put into place about having healthy relationships, that if they would get a, discover those, it would ask God, teach me the principles and processes of healthy relationships with my family and my friends, with my children, their lives would be much, much better. And so... This is what I encourage you to do, is to come to God and say, God, I want all that you have for me. I want the fullness of the kingdom of God in my life, in every, every area of my life, financially, my health, my relationships. And God will begin to show you what the principles and the processes are, how to put them into practice, how to persevere and let his presence inform you and give you success. 
So here's what I'd like you to do this week. As you focus on the good journey of prosperity, spend time daily and throughout each day enjoying God's presence in your life. Take time to count your blessings, express your gratitude to him, sing a song of adoration, dance a jig to show your joy. <clears throat> Whatever you can do to connect and be aware and mindful of God's presence. Then ask God to show you how to take a good journey with him. Lord, you, you want me to be pr- fruitful. You want me to prosper. Lord, show me in my life how I can prosper more under your hand. Maybe you have an area you'd like to go to God and say, God, I'd like to prosper in my relationships, or I'd like to prosper in my health. Or maybe you just go to God and say, God, I'm open to whatever you want to bring into my life right now. Either way, go to God and begin to talk with him about that. Ask him to show you the principles and processes, just like Dr. Carver did so many years ago. He said, God, show me about the peanut. And God showed him 300 different innovations about how to use the peanut. That's amazing. Next, after you've spent that time with God, begin to look for new thoughts that come into your mind, new opportunities that that present themselves to you, connections with different people, or situations that just kind of seem to arise out of nowhere and come to you. Pay attention because God is working in your life. Talk with God about each one of those to help sort through the good and the bad. Then put into practice those new principles and processes that God leads you to. Be open to change. I know there was a time in my life I said, I would say, God, bring me those blessings, but don't change anything in my life, you know? And if we want the blessings of God to flow into our life, there are things that we've got to let go of. Old ways of doing things to embrace those new ways of doing things. And then persevere on the good journey. Don't grow weary in your well-doing. It's easy to do sometimes. Realize that change takes time. You know, it's back to, back to planting that seed. You plant a seed, and then you don't dig it up the next day to see if it's growing. You, you keep watering it, and it'll sprout. You know, trust, trust it. God doesn't expect you to get it all at once. There have been so many times where God started me out on a a path of prosperity, and I would stumble and fall, and I would fail. There are times where I've made an investment, and and it seems like as soon as the stock market saw that I bought that stock, it went down, right? (laughs) I I would be one of those people who bought cryptocurrency right before it crashed, (laughs) you know? But, But you learn from those things. God isn't afraid of you making mistakes. God isn't afraid of you failing, because he can make you successful even through your failures. So let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you that you are a God who wants to see your children prosper, that you want to see us grow and be fruitful and multiply. And so, Lord, we come to you today and we ask for all those blessings in our lives, that we can show how magnificent you are, how wise and how wonderful you are to the world that our lives will be a testimony of your goodness and faithfulness 
and that we can share your kingdom with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.